Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk. He is Chapin Hemingway. And them is Lee Carlo. Today we are going to be reviewing Darius Martyr's uh, debut fictional feature film, Sound of Metal. Uh, we've been trying to get through these 2020 movies that have been sort of highly recommended, try to get ready for our fixies. Um, so we got another one here. You sound great. Yeah, right. What? You're telling me you weren't feeling it? You were in it. We don't need to, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but we have to take film. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm gonna be like a click track. You can play to me. You have to understand your first responsibility is to preserve the hearing you have. I can't hear you. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. found a place. I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to, to this. Not this. I need you to wait for me, okay? You're in for me, Lou. You're my part. You're in for me, okay? You gotta wait for me. It was tough for me, like, to try to think of an introduction, like it, like any sort of interesting question about this movie, and not because the movie wasn't interesting, it's because I was wrestling with something, and I was trying to figure out the best way to ask about it. And the word that kept like coming to my mind was the word balance. Hmm. And it's interesting with these independent films, because We've seen a lot of these sort of films over the years, these movies that sort of scream indie with the, you know, handheld camera, um, the the wide shots of just nothingness. And like you could probably name a half dozen off the top of your head. And what I was thinking was like, if you were the filmmaker, if you were Darius Martyr, you're making your first feature film, you have this script pretend you didn't write it, you were handed this exact script, how would you find the balance without going overly sentimental? Because this is a movie about a guy who loses his hearing. It's the very sort of dramatic and sudden shift for any person or character. So how would you balance that sentimentality without, without being like, too ultra indie and and sort of advertising to your audience that hey look we had no money um this is sort of how we're going to portray this how would you do it and do you think darius martyr was able to achieve that balance um i think uh i would have done uh, what he did subtly which is 
sort of show the progression of the hearing loss in a um, kind of subjective way. Um, it's interesting that Matthew Almerick is in this because it, this movie reminds me a lot of The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, which I've been recommending to you guys for like 12 years, and I'm sure neither of you have watched it. Um, but it's an extraordinary film, and it's about someone who experiences a sudden, um, you know, a sudden inability to uh, essentially feel like, I mean, he's essentially paralyzed, but he still has feeling. Um, so it's not quite as, you know, going deaf is not quite as severe as that, but um, that movie visually is a lot about how, you know, sort of just being in the position of, of that character's um, su- sort of subjective view. And I think I would have done that, you know, put him, put it, show, show us talk, seen more of how his character develops the, the deafness. Although I, I would guess that it's pretty accurate that it happens kind of a lot more quickly than, than we would perhaps think it would, um, where it's sort of like one day you're just suddenly deaf. Um, and I would probably, uh, emphasize more how he, the loss of music. I mean, there's this thing that he does and that he loves presumably um, throughout the film that he, he can't do anymore and that he can't appreciate anymore. And you don't really get a sense of that. I, I But I honestly, having said that, I think that'd be the wrong way to go. I, I think the, I think what he, I think he used that sort of subjective uh, putting us in the sort of auditory world of Ruben just enough um, you know, right to the point where you think he, you're being, it, it starts, starts to get a little grating. Like for example, when he has the ocular implants, you, you get a sense of, um, what, what those might sound like to someone who has them. It's, it's pretty annoying. And, and you, so you, so, so you immediately understand what, what Ruben is going through, but also he, he doesn't like force you to listen to that the entire time he goes back and forth. And I think he has the right ba- balance that I don't think I would strike as well as um, Darius Martyr. Javen, I, I like that you brought up Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Uh, I did see that movie, um, and I just made a note here that you accused me of, of not saying. I've been I've been tallying when you guys wrong me. I'm just trying to keep track. Oh, of good, it, but, good. Well, you're, um, uh, yeah. So, is that a new quiz on Get Your Film Fix podcast? No, 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 this is just for me. Oh, okay. um, Who wrongs yeah, you case, the most? Yeah, in case I eventually need it. Case of snap. Um, <laughs> just, I just can't refer to the list. Uh, I like that you brought that up because um, Julian Schnabel and, and Janusz Kaminski do something very interesting visually with that movie. There's a very unique signature to the way that movie is shot. And to answer Jeremy's question, what I think this movie attempts to do, and I liked the idea behind it and its effectiveness we'll get into more, uh, there was a signature of sorts, and it was more the auditory signature and how he managed sound and sound design. And, you know, I think that in many ways is something that we're critical of indies for having. I, I think about the vast night, right? Like that was a director that maybe had a minor script and tried to be an auteur, I guess, for lack of a better term and tried to, you know, make a signature, film and his uh, uh, showcasing his directing style. And that can be both good and bad. But I think that's what you need to do. I think that's what I would do 
I think that's what you need to do to separate yourself from anybody else that would make that same movie. Yeah, so the reason I sort of asked this is because this is sort of a, not a tale of two movies for me, but I did see this movie dipping into the melodramatic, that that sort of melodramatic indie where you just have that camera on, like close up on your character and they're just like, you know, crying and, and swearing and, and feeling bad for themselves. And and I was worried at that point that this movie was going to dip too far into that, basically yelling at you to feel something. But I think it pulls itself out. And I think, I think Martyr does an extraordinary job of balancing this movie because... I agree. I think it's pitch perfect, honestly. I really do. Like, between <clears throat> the incredible sound design of this movie of putting you as the audience member in his uh, head almost, but not, you know, just hearing what he hears when, when the director wants you to, not always, as you said, Jamin, but when the director wants you to, um, and for Ruben never to have too many moments like that where it's just self-loathing or feeling sorry for himself and, 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 and going crazy, um, where he takes you through this journey where you, you understand how he can go from loving music and playing the drums and then all of a sudden being deaf and then turning the corner and and learning sign language and um, all while maintaining like this love for his girlfriend that you believe, but that also doesn't get right. overly I mean, it's, melodramatic. It's more of like an obsession. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that I think of Jeremy when you, uh, to, to back what up, what you're saying is that he is an, he is a recovering addict and that's why he has to go to this bucolic kind of, farm place where where deaf people who are addicts live together um and i think the you know you're just expecting him to relapse because of the emotional crisis he's in losing his thing but he never does and so i think what's interesting about that is that you experience what this crisis is like for somebody who is in recovery without going into that very sort of sim you know typical and familiar cinematic convention of exploring what a what a um relapse looks like for someone like that and and you you understand his energy and his energy is stimulating and interesting and um tragic and 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 scary really because but but knowing that he is an addict and but and not not making him relapse makes that energy even sort of more palpable in a weird way yeah 100 percent, and it's credit to um, the director and it's also credit to um, Riz Ahmed, the actor, um, for this portrayal, and we'll get into that more. But I would put this up there with those indie movies like, I mean, one of my favorites of all time is Half Nelson, and I think this strikes a very similar balance. And Half Nelson does go into that dark area of relapse and drugs and all that. But um, it's a tough, it's just... I, and I'm not articulating this well, but I just I, I sort of my initial question was to get at how difficult it is to pull to walk that tightrope and be able to pull this off and to get genuine like emotional response from your audience. And I certainly felt for this character, and I certainly felt 
for the relationship between him and Joe and him and Lou, especially that end scene of those two together. That was, that really tugged at my heartstrings because there wasn't a big, you know, crying breakup issue, like fight. It, it, it was, it was perfectly done to, to have this moment where both of them realize what has to happen without much being said. And, and of course, they do feel stuff at that moment, but it all seems just justified and warranted. And he's able to do that through this whole movie. Um, and I think it's amazing. And I, I'd also love to talk about the deaf aspect of it, not just what he's feeling, but also the deaf community and in, in their sort of involvement in this, in, in their portrayal is actually probably a better word in this film. All right. Uh, I'm gonna put my cards on the table oh, because shit. no, no, no. Because I want, I I want to play devil's advocate for on a couple of things you guys are talking about. Not necessarily because I disagree, but because my thoughts I think are a little more mixed, and I and I almost kind of want to hear your pushback. But I I did like this movie, and I liked Riz Ahmed in it. I liked the relationships in it. This had a lot of positives for me. Uh, but you're you know you're talking about the balance, Jeremy, and um the direction this movie goes and it continued to surprise me. Like it never kind of went the direction I was expecting from the opening. You see, you know, he's in this heavy metal band. You think it's going to kind of be about how that story continues, but it, it very quickly uh, shifts gears and it's, it's kind of about um, uh, Ruben as an addict dealing with now becoming a deaf person and having to go to live in this community with other addicts who are deaf and how he's learning to adapt to that and learning sign language. And then that's kind of the movie for a little bit. And then suddenly he decides he wants to get this surgery and he leaves. And now it's about getting back to Lou and getting back to the life he had before. And so it was constantly shifting and changing direction. And on one hand, I liked that. On the other hand, I thought maybe this movie was a little directionless. Like it wasn't actually mm. quite sure what it wanted to be about. But I think and, those, I think especially like the thread with Lou and the thread of music and all that stuff went throughout. It connected it from, yep. from yep. A to Z. So I don't think it ever loses that. There's just all that other stuff is sort of on the way. I think you're right. I just found it maybe a little bit, well, the issue I had on a couple areas was, was motivation. I felt like, the transitions from each act maybe lacked a concrete motive. Oh, not necessarily. It had a concrete motivation. I guess it was missing a subtle motivation mm. uh, in terms of the transitioning of the scenes. And then the other area where I struggled with some of the motivations, and it, it sounds like you liked it, is the director's choice of how to use his sound design. You know, the moment I'm thinking of specifically is the scene in the pharmacy where some of the dialogue is muted, you can't hear it, and then it cuts and you hear the conversations. Now, look, that's necessary. You need to know what's going on, but it didn't feel... It felt a little random as in terms of when they chose to have you hear the dialogue and when they chose to have it be muted as if it's uh, Ruben's pers perspective. So it comes back to motivation. It comes back to like how, how this movie continued to go into the direction that it was, and that was sort of my hang up on this movie that maybe that's nitpicky. I did like this movie. I, I, I'm I sorry. What's, what's liked... your hang up? Lee? I'm just, I just want to understand for sure. The motivations for 
a the direction that the movie went and why and why it sort of continuously changed direction why it was first this movie about you know a drummer and not that that goes away but it then it sort of more becomes a movie about you know learning to be deaf which we see is because he was a drummer too long and then it's about you know I, it's almost like a it's not a drug relapse but it's almost just like a relapse in his his journey of being deaf right he goes back to get this surgery and then has to kind of learn how to deal with that and anyway this is the reason i call it a hang-up because this, these are not big problems i just had a little bit of a hard time connecting them and then yeah. again the motivation that the, the director had for choosing when to mm. use his sound design in any particular way i i just i I, I I completely disagree with you. I just think this like beat by beat, everything made sense. And at, at every time where you thought it was going to go in a place that uh, was predictable, it, 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 it zagged. It really didn't go that way. You know, you, yeah, and I liked that, but did you feel like it, did you feel like it was a natural zag? Yes, very much. It so. didn't feel jarring at all no, to you no, that all not, of a sudden you were watching kind of a different movie. Not at all. I you, think it made all made sense to his character, which is the most important thing. You that's see the her leave following. him, and and you understand you understand why she leaves him. He goes back to the place. He he, you know. I think I think you know, having just reviewed a a, a Nolan movie that's been lodged in my mind and thinking of time, I think this movie does a really subtle. And a nice job of illustrating how long he's spent at this, you know, in this deaf community and working with deaf children at the, at the nearby school um, by his adaptation to the lifestyle, learning sign language. Um, and I think that just worked so well. But, you know, he wants to get back to Olivia Cook because she is this old life. You know, he sees her videos on the Internet and. Honestly, like I, I also think there's like a sort of a sub a sub kind of not a subplot, but like a sub theme of morality here that I find fascinating, which is mm-hmm. I think these these places, you know, I've known some people who are in like sober living facilities and these places have like weird rules, you know, like, you know, you can't really have contact with the outside world and you can't really have a cell phone and, you know, they want you and, engr- you know, engrossed in what's happening, in, you know, in this community. And I think. You know, specifically the idea that like, you know, being deaf isn't a disability. Like to me, that was really, really interesting. You know, I've done some uh, last year, I did some work, you know, some videos about people who are, uh, you know, have a have disabilities. And um, it was it was really shocking to hear someone say that, like what I have is not a disability. It's something, you know, we've we've agreed to that. And the fact that you think that that is a disability and something that needs to be fixed in you makes you ineligible to live here. I found that fascinating. I don't agree with it. And I think that's why I thought it was really interesting. Um, and you can totally understand Ruben's point of view, wanting to fix it, wanting to get back to his life. But I think, you know, the overall, if there's a message here, but really the overall sort of theme of this film is like, you know, acceptance of these things that happen to you in life. And I felt that, you know, I felt that really deeply in a way that wasn't just limited to, being deaf or some kind of physical ailment, just like the things that happen to us in life, accepting them and, and coming to peace with them. But was, I think what this film was ultimately about and, and did so in a very subtle and beautiful way. And I, 
I found that very moving, especially because I don't, I don't really agree with the technical parts of it. You know, like I, I think that probably that being deaf is probably a disability, especially just, especially when it just happens suddenly to a person. Like Good I can't imagine what that's like. <laughs> Chavin, how are we doing in the deaf community? Terribly. Terribly. <laughs> well, I would actually like to add to that because that's one of my notes is, um, so I took, I mean, this is... I mean, I'm not saying anything against well, deaf people. I just no. mean, like, do you before know what you I mean? Get to, okay. Before you get to the that aspect, I, I agree with you, Chapin. I, and I, I, like I said, I like this movie. I, I wanted to push back a little bit just on those points to kind of see what you guys had to say. There's a moment, I, and I really like Ruben's arc in this movie, especially once he gets to that, to that house and, you know, you start to see him learn sign language and you start to see him learn how to you know live as a deaf person and then you get to this point which i think is the most heartbreaking scene in the movie when he gets this surgery and he gets these things put on his head and he hears what everything is going to sound like and he's kind of shocked like he thought he was getting his like a normal hearing back and the doctor tells him like it's it's going to sound different you're not really hearing through your ears your brain is being tricked into thinking you're hearing things and it's just such a heartbreaking moment. It, it's devastating because he he wants so desperately. He's raised or he's he's collected forty to eighty thousand dollars. We learned to get this surgery, which he just absolutely cannot afford. He's come all this way in learning how to be deaf, and he does this anyway, only to find out that it isn't his old life that he's getting back. It's something entirely different, maybe even worse. And really, the that's only a great part in arc. the movie that I felt was a little far-fetched which i think it is actually you didn't like that scene i i, I liked it i i understand the dramatic um under the, the dramatic sort of arc that that creates but that would have been explained to him there's a oh, process i thought that too yeah. they would have told them yeah he yeah, wouldn't I mean, have been surprised yeah so yeah <laughs> it's, i thought it's that fine. i don't want exact like, it's, same it's thing. not something to, to focus too much on but i i do that was the sort of the one in in a, in a film filled filled with verisimilitude like that was the one part i was just like well. they they did tell him but he wasn't listening <laughs> um but that was the that was the that was a very nice it wasn't quite the completion because we have more movie after that but it was a nice completion of the arc of his character which i re- i really enjoyed in this movie yeah so to to touch on those points i think as far as his character in the changes that you had a little bit of issue with lee i think those were always those decisions were always in the back of his mind. Like the decision um, to get this implant was always there. It was there from the beginning. So even though you do have those moments where he's starting to really, you know, uh, come together as a person, as a deaf person, I think he never quit on that goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think the movie was even trying to show you that he was going to quit on that goal. Um, and Chapin, I really did like what you said about acceptance because it's not just his character that t- talks about acceptance. Um, it's all the characters sort of in this. Like they all all have that moment. Even um, Lou's dad. Uh, yeah, Matthew Berger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had he talks about the acceptance he had of Reuben, and then Lou having her sort of acceptance of what actually makes her happy. Right. Um, and I think that's totally what this movie is about. Accepting those things that you really can't do anything about that have happened, that are happening to you in your life. 
I think that's totally true. Um, as far as the the uh, how they talked about like implants being, you know, you're fixing something that's not a problem. I mean, I only I took two ASL classes in as a foreign language because oh, I didn't I want to do about it. that. Yeah, I, I that. didn't want to do a foreign language when we were at Emerson, and my teacher was deaf, and this was absolutely something that was brought up. And, and I was very kind of confused about it at the time. I'm like, well, if you could hear, if that worked, like, why wouldn't you want to want to do it? And it was it, he was like adamant about the fact that no, like it, we don't look at it as a disability, which is what they said in this. And I hmm. also noticed from this what I noticed in that class is deaf people are so good at expressing themselves in a really unique way where they they can communicate to you with their facial expressions without being completely over the top. And I know he's not really deaf, the guy Paul Rachie, yeah, yeah, that played Joe, but I guess he had deaf parents. Mm -hmm. And I loved his performance I in this. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Loved it. And, I, and he reminded me of my ASL teacher from college, just the way he is able to communicate with his face and... Um, even if you don't understand the signs, you you get what he's saying a lot of times. I mean, again, he can most it half was, the time he's saying speaking English, but he's wonderful in this movie. He just looked like that character looks mm -hmm. in your head. Yeah. Like that was. I think was, he because he is very much that character in real life. And yeah. I wanted <laughs> I wanted to give this movie credit for capturing that. He um, re he just recently won Best Supporting Actor at the Boston Society of Film Critics Awards. Boston. So. Boston, where you guys live, and, and where this where a lot movie of this was, was shot. shot. Yep, North Shore, Route One. They kept driving up and yep. down Route One, looking for the, Missouri. The closed Hollywood hits theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, mean, uh, 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 that that's that's interesting insight. I, I yeah, I don't know. I I, <clears throat> I I find like these studies of these communities to be so fascinating, and I think like the convergence of a deaf community with a, a a community of sobriety is is really really interesting, and there's like sort of two really dogmatic groups meeting in the middle, and you know they they're 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 you know there's a certain amount of nurturing and welcoming that those communities have to have for these people, but also you you sort of see the way that it, like it doesn't quite work for Ruben. Like I, I think I, I mean I found them kicking him out sort of harsh you know um i i think his his like if if, if you if you want to call his ocular implants a mistake i mean they seem to be that way in in the eyes of these people but i again i think that speaks to the complexity of this movie is that you can tell these are very loving very um generous people who have dedicated their lives to helping each other and others um but there's this odd rule about you know ocular implants evidently make you ineligible to live here and i think i, I don't know i found that very harsh and very um very interesting and i think i, I think the way this film approaches these things just it, it makes you i think i think i think you could have both you could sort of see both sides to what you were saying jeremy uh in, in a very real way and i thought i i think that's just i think that's a a real sign of a of a well structured and thought out film yeah I, I mean the screenplay too this 
speaking of the structure, it's pretty amazing that that where this this character's arc ended up. What I was thinking while watching this specifically, I guess we'll call it the second act when he's living at this house. It has, I like that a lot too, Chapin. I was thinking that as I was watching it, just kind of this, this whole idea surrounding, you know, communal living in that way, and then also, you know, sober living and whatever it is, and in this case, it also is a community of deaf people. It opens itself up to a lot of things that work cinematically, and and one is kind of just that simple action of taking your phone away, taking away your vices and just kind of stripping everything down. So all you have is human interaction and that can be very cinematic when done well. And additionally, it is inherently melodramatic, that scenario. And as long as you maintain control over that, it doesn't become overly melodramatic. And I think melodrama, melodrama when done well can be very effective. You know, I, I was just now thinking about Boy Erased which the reason I was so interested in that is because I wanted to see what that type of program was like. You know, that is probably melodramatic, but it can also be very intense and dramatic. Mm. Uh, And that movie is about sending someone to kind of a a scared straight camp. But what that movie does wrong is it basically doubles down on the melodrama and it tries to add more melodrama and more drama than is already existing. And maybe that's what what doesn't work about it. That's a great example of what I... When the balance goes off the the melodramatic way, yeah, and here movie. it just kind of lets it play out. It lets the characters kind of exist as they would and interact as they would, and you see a very natural progression happen with Ruben, and I think that works really nicely. All those pieces work really nicely cinematically, and it's not really a it's not really a convention or a setting or anything that we point at or think of immediately, but it is done in a lot of movies, and I think maybe that's why. Well, you also think about how, I mean, what I was thinking about while watching this is how challenging that must be. I mean, how how you walk that line with people who sort of innately have this rebellious streak in them. They, they, they want to go, you know, their sort of nature is to go do abusive, um, you know, kind of terrible things to themselves. And they're there to, to recover from that. But... You've, so you have to have this balance between like being strict, but also being accepting. And I think that's like, I mu- that must be so challenging. And I think I really sort of understood that through uh, Paul Racy's character. What do you guys think? I know we talked about the sound design, but what do you think about the decision, if I'm remembering correctly, to not put any music in the background it's all like no non-diegetic music it's all any music you hear is him either playing the drums or playing the music or um singing at the piano i thought that's interesting it was obviously seamless because it wasn't even something that i picked up on yeah Yeah. super smart but i like it because this is a quiet movie like there's you know non-diegetic music doesn't belong in this movie like there are moments very important moments of silence in this movie, that don't even necessarily involve just the hearing aspect, right? There's just moments where we're supposed to kind of, I guess maybe even to a certain extent, empathize with the character just by that silence that we're experiencing too. I'll tell you what, I, this won't surprise you, what I, I really liked was the, his decision for a good majority of this movie to not include, include subtitles while we were watching characters sign. All of the information we needed was relayed in another way. We got so, everything that we needed, and I thought that was great. I was 
slightly disappointed that eventually we do get the subtitles and it was motivated by Ruben's eventual learning sign language. So did you guys read that, like, that, was that fair, the subtitles but... are supposed to be on the whole time? Like that's how he no. envisioned the, so I, I read that the director wanted, I think in the way this was presented when it w- was at the Toronto film festival and all the other film festivals, it, it had subtitles the entire way through. See, I, sub, read it, to, I read it the to opposite. Subtitle the the sign language? No, like the whole movie. I, maybe I under, misunderstood what they were. Yeah, saying. I read it as though the when we did have the subtitles, it was supposed to be there so that we could understand the the deaf community. Um, but he didn't want to put subtitles throughout the whole thing. Okay. See, I think it's great that they aren't there. There's these moments when the dialogue is very okay, foggy so and is, you don't hear is, him. This is from IMDb trivia. It is. Owned by Amazon, so I figure they know. Although streaming the film on Amazon Prime allows you to turn off captions, the filmmakers intended for captions to be on the duration of the film, and that is how it was shown at film festivals. They wanted to bring hearing people into the experience of those who are deaf or hard of hearing, who would also require captions on for any film or mov- or TV shows. Hmm. That's really interesting. I So it's strange to me then that <laughs> there were subtitles right. there when well, I think later in like, the movie, I think that's like automated by Amazon. I would guess. Maybe, but those so that that only happens once he has learned sign language, and the process of communication is only done through sign language. Whereas the rest of the movie, the audience, us as audience members, are given other avenues to understand what is going on, and I, mm. I loved that about this movie. I thought that was one of its best attributes that whether it was using that you know uh, automation with the computer whether it was just the action on the screen whether it was simple nods whether it was pointing to things like just all sorts of different tools that he utilized to allow us as audience members to know what was being said and what was happening even though we couldn't hear it or understand sign language i thought that was so smart and so great and it was it of course reminded me of a quiet place which found all sorts of tricks to not be quiet. It sort of did the opposite, whereas this was finding ways to avoid that. And I, I thought that was great. And then when when he does learn sign language, the, the movie introduces subtitles. And I, I thought that that was acceptable. I, I, I was a little disappointed because I sort of just liked that we were forced to try to understand the language without you know, hearing it or seeing it like in the put, put me very much in the, in the character's shoes, which was great. Uh, but that, that's interesting to me that it suggests that it should have been on the whole time, but yeah. Uh, one, one quick note. Um, one of the producers was, uh, Derek Sia France, who has made other movies similar to this. I mean, most notably, you know, Brian Gosling. And he has a, movies he has like a Blue story Valentine. credit too. Yeah, this is based on a documentary the, that he was making, or a docudrama that he was making. And they worked together it's on interesting. Place he Beyond didn't, the Pines. Um, yeah, that's yeah. what I just said. Uh, yeah, it's, in, it's it's interesting he didn't decide to to do this movie himself, because it's very much in the vein of his other right, movies, he and he is <laughs> one of the storytellers on it. So I think that's interesting. Uh, sounds like, in general, we really like this movie. Um yeah, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. I, I just, I, I loved it. I, I had too. this feeling, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I feel like you know we've had these all these boring streaming discussions, which 
I mean, I kind of hope we keep having, but part, you know, part of me, part of me just like, I wanted the, this pandemic. I wanted, I want to like see movies like this. And I guess this is, this is a result of that. But like, I wish we figure out a way to elevate movies like this in the pandemic. I feel like there's this vacuum that could have been filled by like really beautiful movies like this. And um, I mean, I get like movies being made now in the pandemic like made like this, but also, things. but also like, you know, like somebody just figures out how to take a really great independent film like this and, and just get it out there to people because there's nothing else to watch. And um, yeah, I think, I think part of it is though you have to, and I don't think enough credit will be given to the screenplay. I, I, I think it'll be the direction and the acting, but I think the screenplay warrants a lot of the praise in, in a lot shouldering this of shouldering this movie. It's a good, it's a good script. I think it's, I, I do think it's really smartly directed though. I agree. I totally agree. And I think, I just think that the screenplay is going to get lost in it. And I think, uh, it has really good bones where this character arc is going and, and where the story was going. So I think, well, you can prevent you know, it from getting obviously lost. That. That, obviously this, the, the buck stops here. So, you know, watch if, watch like if, HBO HBO want to give it buys, a uh, uh, buys <laughs> this out of the blue. If you want to give it a fixie nomination, then it won't get lost. Um, how about Riz Ahmed for you guys? I think I mean I think we did discuss it a little bit, but yeah, no, he was he was really good. He was really good. I liked him. I, I I'm not sure if he's a fi- he'll be a fixie nominee for me. Obviously, we got to wait and see what else is out there. I, I did like him a lot, though. Um, he's an actor that, you know, I you guys are, are probably the same as me. Like, you've seen him around. He's been in, been in some things. But this was certainly his most interesting role. Yeah, I mean, like I said, at the beginning of this movie, I thought he was a little over the top with some of his scenes. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he was able to sort of pull it together especially in the key scenes like the key scenes with uh lou that end scene where he's just sitting on the bench it reminded me a lot of uh you know the end of 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 gone baby gone yeah you know just you everything you needed was in that shot of that person sitting um which i loved that shot yeah it's is it's part of it partly is acting is partly getting us as an audience to that point where we can experience that with him and totally understanding what is going on and it, there. it's like and that's kind of the predictable but like done in such a good way that you don't care yeah it's kind of predictable i mean we like we would never know what that sort of craziness of that noise is when you have the implant like we're, we would just never even think about that so it's hard for that to to really be that predictable for people who can hear. Um, and we were begging for him to sort of pull that off and enjoy that silence. And we, you know, probably don't want to go deaf, but we get it. And that's, that's incredible but, but to communicate that. Do you guys, I mean, I don't begrudge him at all for wanting to get those implants. No, I don't either. I don't either, but I, I like either. that. I also... You know, you also, I think, intentionally, you want to see him continue on the path of learning to be deaf. Like, I think that internal struggle is important in this movie, and I think it works. I, I think you see both sides. 
yeah, I don't, I don't begrudge him, but I don't begrudge them for, for feeling the way that they do either. And you, you understand when he gets it, you kind of understand their point of view just as much as you understand his. He's it's like desperate to hold on to the what the life he had, and you which get wasn't it. Even you're that hoping, good, which is also interesting. It, and you're rooting for him because he doesn't live in a mansion because he's living in a trailer. Yeah. Lee's like, oh, fuck. Where are your solar panels, bro? He could have just came down the street to my house when he was in that parking lot at the Hollywood Hits Theater. It's true. It's funny. He's uh, <sighs> so Riz Ahmed is in another movie. It says 2020, but I don't. It still says it's. Uh, um, I don't think it's done. But he plays a a British Pakistani rapper on the cusp of his first world tour, but is struck down by an illness that threatens to derail his big break. It's just Sounds the familiar. same movie. They're like you were good. In- Sound of metal, let's do that. All right, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about with this movie? I feel like we covered it pretty well. Um, yeah, watch this movie. It's on Amazon Prime. It. So, Yeah. And uh, let us know where it would... Would it be a fixie nominee, n- nominee for you? Huh? Like, Tell us. Let us know at feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. And I think that's going to wrap it up. Is it 40 Unless minutes? you guys have anything else? This is like the shortest podcast ever. Yeah. What else you guys got? I, I, I don't know if we have anything else. What do we, What? so, you know, happy holidays to everybody, right? Because we got Christmas is on Friday. So. Well, some, some. Um, you know, a lot of movies un, are coming un, out. Unanimous, uh, 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 anonymous. Get Your Film Fix member was watching, wanted to watch It's a Wonderful Life last night. And turned it on yeah, to find the that. colorized version. Yeah, was was gross. The and, fuck. And posted it, and then I got so mad when I saw it in the morning that I blamed Jeremy. This, well, we all reason. Jeremy doesn't have access to that. I know Jeremy Instagram. doesn't even know how to post on the get your film fixed. I thought you were blaming me because you did it. I thought it was like, oh, it wasn't me. It's no, I I I put it on the colored version before just to kind of see what it looks like, and it genuinely makes me angry. Um, Why is that? Because it just it looks unnatural. Oh, it looks bad, and and it's not how it was supposed was made. Yeah, and that's a yeah. wonderful movie. No pun intended. Uh, I love that movie. It's some. It's a movie actually that I typically well, watch every single Christmas season. That movie's so much darker than anyone gives it credit. It for. definitely is. Um, but it's also, you know, got a great feel good ending to it. I love that movie. Um. Yeah, let us know your your favorite Christmas movies. Well, what about you guys? Desert Island or Gun to Your Head could only watch one Christmas movie ever again. What's it going to well, be? Well, I, I have to say, I have been like kind of having an existential crisis about this. Like, I, I need the definitive. I need a definitive Christmas movie, and I need it in my veins right now. I watched uh, a very Murray Christmas last night. You guys seen that? I know what I know what yeah, mine. Would Sophia be. Coppola do that. She did. It's like an hour. It's like fifty minutes. Oh, uh, I couldn't get through that. It's, couldn't get. I mean, through it's it. fine, but like, um, I mean, it's a wonderful life, is it for me? Probably. I mean, if if you know, a Christmas story is another one that I love. I all, that's too kitsch for me. I, I need something traditional, you know. But see, there's a, that's what I was gonna say. Is there's a, there's a lot of different veins of Christmas movie. Like I love Home Alone and Christmas Vacation. I've watched Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen that one? Yeah, I've already no, watched no, like, that. I've watched it this yeah. season already. Yeah. I, I love those movies, those classic when I was, when I was supposed to be doing 80s, you know, 90s Christmas comedies. Watching Home Alone for the 80th time. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could be watching all the Stephen Queen small axe movies, but Fuck. No, yeah. Mangrove tonight. Gonna try it. Try to get to that. Oh, definitely watch Mangrove. So yeah, mine mine would definitely be Muppets Christmas Carol. One. I do so where love can that you one find too. that? Because I love a Christmas Carol, and I sort of it's begrudgingly the best one. Di- and, di- and Michael Caine is unfucking yeah, so believable. Good. Is he Scrooge? It's like yeah, he plays Scrooge. Where can I find and really, he really plays good. it. He plays it like he's acting not in a Muppets opposite movie. Muppets. Yeah. God, I hope like he got a good check for that. I was thinking about him and Tenet. Why? He's amazing no, 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 in no, it. I, why, no, no, like, no. Why? I just mean like just because. They're like, Sir Michael Caine, would you like to do, be uh, Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol? I, I love that film. I've been thinking about doing that forever. Your first, the first person sounded more like him. All right. Well, I'm getting my characters mixed up. Uh, I, well, I just I love, love him in Tenet. They were, they were like, Christmas Carol. you know, Sir, Sir Michael. Sir Michael needs to make his, needs, he needs a new uh, Rolls Royce for, you know, this decade of his life. So I just, I, I love that story. Who's playing Bob Cratchit? Uh, Kermit. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Count me in. Um, Tabin, if you have not seen that, you have to see that. I mean, buy it on Amazon. Okay. I'm sure it's there. It is my uh, favorite. I don't use Christmas Amazon, movie. but yeah, I will buy it on Apple, which is what everybody else don't use do. Amazon. What? So I don't understand. So Chapin gets really mad about where we rent and buy our our streaming movies, and I don't understand well, Amazon's why. Amazon's too big. Amazon's too like big of a company. He has to use that little yeah, tiny, support the little guy uh, and buy independent. Right. Well, one, I'm, I'm an Apple. Apple stockholder, and two, it's cleaner. It's cleaner. Just lose the the. It's Once cleaner. the movie's playing, it doesn't no, matter. No, 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 no. <laughs> then you have it on your phone. It's everywhere. Come on, let's not. Fuck I around. have all we of all, the things. We everywhere. all have I, iPhones. Get shove that Fandango now. I can't. Is it? Is it a very merry Muppet Christmas movie? A Muppet Christmas no. Carol's letter to Santa. No. I can't find it. No, it's a Muppet Christmas Carol. Very simple. Muppets. We're here to recommend films. Um, yeah. So actually, this is Chapin. You say you're going to try to watch Mangrove tonight. Um, we should talk about Small Axe, which is the anthology series that Steve McQueen directed. It's on Amazon Prime. It's five. How many films. movies are there? Five. Jeez. There's five movies. They're not all very long. Mangrove is just over two hours. The next movie. Lovers Rock, which is the highest rated on Metacritic and is getting really high praise, has a 95. It's only, I think, like 80 minutes. I I checked off Skip, guys. You can watch it if you want. It's not very long. Um, I was not particularly uh, captured by it. Those are the only two I've watched so far. Um, but they all have really big meta scores so they're on the list of movies we should consider for the fixies there's a lot of debate about whether or not those movies will be nominated for emmys or oscars and whether it's a tv series or not because i guess in in england it was on tv but i don't think it matters there i think their movies especially mangrove is clearly a a feature film so um I i was gonna say put those on your list but i shared the list with you which I really wish you guys would check stuff off. It's really given me. The, uh, <laughs> so we check it off on the Google Docs. Yes. Okay. And it just makes me feel better to see that. But we should like say true or false. Off. There's like a weird, like a weird thing like that. Oh, I thought I fixed that. It should be fixed. Okay. Yeah. So what are we doing next week? <sighs> We've got a lot of options. We've got Midnight Sky, George Clooney. We've got 
Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. We've got Wonder Woman. We've got... I think we should do the Black Bottom. Black Bottom. You don't think we should do Midnight Sky? I mean, we should, can try to do both. I mean, we've got to do them all anyhow, We I have guess. to watch them all. We don't necessarily have to do the pod on all of them. What are we going to do? So... Sorry, my headphones fell off. I think Midnight Sky will get the most interest on the pod. Is that um, is that supposed to be good? I heard not. I heard sort of mixed things. I don't know, but like I mean, like Jeremy said, we we kind of got to watch them all, so it's what we think is going to be. What about no? When is Nomadland available? I feel like that's the the front runner for best picture in theaters in February. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get to see it. It sucks. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm talking about. Like just like Jesus. Really frustrating. Um. There's a couple like that. Uh, News of the World, although News of the World, I guess, is universal, which they've been pretty quickly after their theater releases putting them on VOD. Um, that's the Paul Greengrass, Tom Hanks movie. Is it? That's universal. Yeah. So I, that guys, one we may be able to see find, like mid January. I cannot find them up at Christmas Carol. Don't worry about it. Um, I'll send you a picture of what it looks like. Jeremy's gonna Thanks. send you a regular DVD. All right, I don't think this is interesting, too. No, so, that's going to do Okay, wrap us up, Jeremy. That's going to do it for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. We'll see you next time. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.